uh, my support worker um, has continued to come out to the house and see me. Yeah, so that's been that's been a real blessing because like, he comes out three times a week. But all other services, you know, occupational therapy, um, counselling, it's all removed. It's all been moved to an, a remote environment, and and there's been a lot of delays in accessing services. You know, three, four, five weeks to wait, which has obviously been very frustrating in a time of crisis and and you know mental health escalation really. What's worked is getting my hour of exercise every day. <laughs> yeah, going to the shops once a day. No. This time has been really stressful and everything, but it's also brought a lot of people together. Like I think by everyone being so isolated, but also in the same boat, we're all experiencing it together. My name is Francis Lynch. Thanks for joining me on the Comments and Musings podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to Matt Jackman and Harmony Jackman, brother and sister, who have both been experiencing the lengthy lockdown periods in Melbourne during two waves of COVID-19. Matt and Harmony both live with bipolar and discuss with me how their support services have adapted to the changed circumstances this year. So welcome, Matt and Harmony. Thanks for joining me on the Comments and Musings podcast. I'm talking to people across the community health and aged care sectors, and I'm also talking, uh, I'm really interested in talking to people with a lived experience of using services uh, and their views on how the service system has coped uh, during 2020 and the experience of COVID-19. Uh, we're recording this in October, so we're quite a few months in now. Uh, and we've experienced a lot of changes this year. I'm wondering how COVID-19 has impacted each of you. Mm. Um, well, I can kick it off, Francis. Um, well, both Harmony and I um, are service users of the, the public mental health system and the National Disability Insurance Scheme as well. Um, I think the... I think, I mean, Harmony can speak a bit more to the public mental health system, but um, I think the NDIS has has struggled to adapt. Um, I think with its shift of, to services being all remote, um, mm. it's been very difficult to gain access to my support coordinator, um, who really has supported me in both um, accessing different services with my plan, um, but it really has been kind of a coordinator of my care and, and a bit of a therapist at times as well. And um, I found that that support's really, um, really, um, yeah, really struggled in terms of um, being present and being available. And I think that that's due to his demands increasing as well. Um, yeah. You'd think that think that having providing remote services would mean that they'd have more time but I think that due to COVID uh, everyone's issues and stresses and needs have escalated which has meant that um, people like uh, my support coordinator have meant that it, the demand has increased it on his services as well so it's um yeah it's been unfortunate that that's been the case but um yeah that that's been my experience anyway with the NDIS so far um, although I have been lucky in that my support coordinator uh, my support worker um, has continued to come out to the house and see me. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's been that's been a real blessing because like he comes out three times a week, 
Um, but all other services, you know, occupational therapy, um, counselling, it's all removed. It's all been moved to an, a remote environment, and and there's been a lot of delays in accessing services. You know, three, four, five weeks to wait, um, which has obviously been very frustrating in a time of crisis and and you know mental health escalation really. Um, yeah. Do, do you think that those service providers were at all uh, ready for this type of challenge? Oh, absolutely not. No, absolutely. I don't think anyone was ready for this sort of change. I think health, health, health is notoriously, health and disability, uh, you know, community services are notoriously a bit conservative, I think, when it comes to, like, technology and change, you know, big systems change. Um, and I think it's really shaken up the health service system in, in the telehealth model, which has been talked about for over a decade. Um, but at this this crisis has really brought that approach on. Um, but, yeah. So, so how many you, you've been using the public health system? Is that uh, different, or is it similar to Matt's experience? Um, similar to Matt's experience, but um, with with my yeah, I see my support worker two days a week, and obviously I'm pregnant, and so I've got the hospital and everything. And my my main concerns isn't more the mental health system; it's more well, it is, but. Um, with pregnancy as well, it's like everything's changed, you know. Like your, your partner's not allowed to go in and, and find out the sex and just everyone's going, ah, mm. you know, and, yeah, so back to the mental health. Um, yeah, it's it's been it's been challenging being at home with, you know, basically no, no one, no support around or anything mm. Mm. and just ex- escalation of, anger and everything and I think everyone at this time is just getting really cooped up together and mm. people you'd not love and you know care about just getting on your nerves and everything and mm. Mm. it's just it's frustrating mm. it's really frustrating yeah and and, and uh, you said that you you're pregnant and so do you think that 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 support around your pregnancy has that been um do you, do you think that you're going in and seeing people less than you might have otherwise? I know it's hard to tell, maybe, but yeah, it's 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 really it's the first time I've had had a baby, so um, it's it's completely changed. You know, all the courses to learn how to do everything is is all online. You you can't see other families. You know, it's just it's ridiculous, really, because mm. this is the most important part of someone's life. You know. Mm. Mm. I think even things, Francis, like Harmony was saying at the clinic the other day, there are all these mums in the um, in the reception area. No dads. Yeah, no, no dads. But someone someone got told that they have to have a C section in front of the entire reception um, yeah. by one of the workers. So there's that sort of stuff going. On. Yeah, there was no rooms available, so they just went and told this poor young lady that obviously you know she's like, can I call? When at least and they're like oh you know mm. yeah you can but it has to be here in front of everyone you have to decide right now and I was just like this isn't how it's meant to be you know mm. Mm. no that that's it, it sounds as though that in itself would be you know could create a level of stress and anxiety or you know just having to be in that system at the moment yeah mm. 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 yeah and on top of that harmony has been 
because she's living on a sixth floor apartment in public housing has been having to deal with the Department of Housing um, and and that's been a real struggle in terms of you know being uh, and being able to be moved to uh, a, ho- a house that's accessible to someone that's um, pregnant um, and that's been a real strain in in trying to access that support and move move homes in the public housing system which is already as we know under great strain at the moment but I think even more so in the current situation where people have had to be housed by the government through their yeah. you know policy changes so it's a really tricky time across massive the board. thing that's going on right now all the hotels that are being taken up by all the homeless people and now now they're cutting all the funding and everything everyone's gone up into this rampage what are we going to do now we've had all this money for so long and then you know it's all it's all going to go and then it's going to be worse mm. so so have you been able to get the the sort of outcomes around housing that you need no, so we we applied when I well not when I first found out I was pregnant, but for a, for a change of move, and it's been five months now, and we're just waiting for a house to pop up. But it's like no matter I've I've sent all the letters from my therapist, my social work, you know everyone, but it's a matter of just finding somewhere because there's so many people right now that need somewhere mm. that it's just yeah mm. it's too much for them. Yeah, you'd think being pregnant would be a priority, but that, that just shows you how dire the yeah. system is at the moment. That you have to wait six months now for public housing uh, a move. Yeah, I suppose to go back to how the mental health system has been coping at the moment. Do you think that the services are listening to to you as as people who use the services and? Uh, trying to respond to the ways that you want to be supported or? I think the clinical system in general doesn't really listen to consumers because it's based on a medical model and they listen to medicine. Um, and medicine's all about risk and symptom management and, you know, hospitalisation and medication as a primary treatment means. And that's not usually what we want. You know, we want we want mm. a home. We want healthy relationships. Mm. We want that's not discriminatory. We want study and education that's understanding of our diverse abilities. And usually the public mental health system doesn't have control over those intersectorial systems. Um, and their focus really is on, on on risk. And I think, I know I know for Harmony, I mean, she can speak to it, but she often doesn't feel very heard by her clinician with her public, um, you know, in her public mental health uh, service. Um, and I know Headspace really don't have much knowledge or support around pregnancy, and often that has to get yeah. referred out. Um, so, but I don't know if you want to speak to whether you felt heard by, you know, your public mental health system. I think I think they've been they've been pretty good with me. Mm. Um, obviously, yeah, being pregnant, I know I have to keep saying. Well, I don't have to. But, um, yeah, so they've been pretty good with me. Like I've I've had a few like food parcels and stuff dropped off to my house, and um, like get regular calls every week. But it's not the same as you know, it's not the same as going in and seeing them having a in depth yeah. conversation. And it's just—it's mm. all the same thing, really. You're just talking on a phone. You may as well be talking to your dad or something, you know. Mm. I guess outreach has changed as well. Yeah. In that, Harms has always had um, the an outreach service with her local mental health um, service system. 
Um, and that's obviously changed, you know, with not, not, not coming to the home and it's a different sort of accessibility and a different sort of support when it's via telehealth. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I don't have to um, say as much because, you know, it's, it's just like, yeah, I don't have to say what I, what I would normally say to her because it's just over the phone. It's not professional or anything. Mm. It's, it's just, oh, okay. All right. So does it feel yeah. less professional? But, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like it's not professional at all, giving someone a phone call. Mm. Like, okay. it's just, yeah. I wonder, Francis, as well, if it's around trust and, and not having that relationship yeah. in person. There's a level of safety that comes with um, that interaction when you're with someone in, 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 in presence yeah. that you don't over the phone um, and that's that, that that trust and that safety is conducive to sharing um, and, and to kind of going more in depth whereas over a telephone call it's often very anxiety provoking for people as well. I know for me I can't stand phone calls. Um, mm. and, and it probably is just more conducive to having uh, more shallow conversations about your well-being and what's going on for you when it's over the phone. So, Matt, you, you mentioned that you've had a support worker coming into your house three times a week. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that that person has to use some PPE. Um, mm. has, that, has that, even though that person is using PPE, does that presence, as you say, does that still make up for the fact that you've got this, you know, barrier of the PPE? Hmm. Oh, it's a massive difference. It's a massive difference just having, I mean, it's been a very isolating experience for all of us. Um, you know, I live with I live with housemates, so I'm lucky in that regard. I don't live on my own. But I'm also not part of a big family unit, whereas a lot of households have that support. Yeah a part of a larger family system. Our family is very segmented and and broken across Melbourne. You know, we're kind of in very different parts of Melbourne. Um, So I think absolutely it's just been so lovely to have someone come um, and continue to build that relationship, just be that that crutch and that support three days a week. I mean, it's been a godsend, honestly. I I think I would have been in hospital, of which I've been in hospital, you know, three of the last four years in winter. I think I would have gone back to hospital have that support um just in terms of yeah connection and setting goals and keeping me motivated at home all day uh, mm. has been essential now that's that's good to hear because i know uh, you know a lot of service providers have really struggled to be able to get people to do home visits or not not to do them but the, you know that the risk as you say you know the risk is such uh that people are saying well you know the physical risk of covid uh is higher than the risk of this person not getting the service face to face and that's a tough one and but what clearly what you're saying is is that that's been so valuable to you in terms of actually being able to physically have someone come in to be able to to keep building that rapport that relationship and benefit has been really positive for you absolutely yeah i mean we both you know we both have over 10 hours a week of support work i mean i couldn't i couldn't be over the phone you know for 10 hours a week or via zoom for 10 hours a week so in essence our our services would would actually not be used um that we've been provided with and assessed for um if it was all telehealth so we've been lucky in that regard and and harms is the same harmony has the same support worker so um I think you're absolutely right because I was talking to the the CEO of a, a disability support agency where they were saying that a large part of their work had dried up, particularly in the first 
lockdown because um, participants were feeling unsafe with people coming into their homes. So, but clearly, what you're saying is is that that the value of still having someone coming in is is just has been really important. Well, it's been more important because of how isolating and disconnecting the experience has been. We've actually needed someone to come into the home more than ever because we can't essentially leave the home or our community. Um, so in, in some ways it's attended to the, the very need of being disconnected and, and not being able to move around and being restricted, yeah. having someone come to you. Um, so I think it's really on the flip side, it's been absolutely essential given the change in circumstance. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really important to hear. And I think, um, you know, it, it's a, it's important that I hear that from somebody who has a lived experience of receiving these services because um, that's clearly a learning for you. None of us have gone through this experience before. So, you yeah. know, we've, we've got no, no roadmap as, as such. So do, do you think there's other things, uh, say, Harmony, that you've learned during this sort of last six months about what's worked or what hasn't worked for you? What's worked is getting my hour of exercise every day. <laughs> Yeah, going to the shops once a day. No. <laughs> this time has been really stressful and everything, but it's also brought a lot of people together. Like I think by everyone being so isolated but also in the same boat, we're all experiencing it together. So, you know, we're, yeah, we've all done it together. So no one's worse than us. I think, I think as well Harmony's connected with a lot of old friends. You know, yeah. Harm's had been through a lot of trauma in her adolescence and had a lot of disrupted schooling. And um, I think this time, along with obviously her pregnancy, but I think being disconnected, you know, universally, that's brought a lot of her old friendships and connections back together, um, okay. which has been kind of a, a nice um yeah, change um, that's been as a result of everyone being disconnected and moving online. Um, I've always been a big social media freak. <laughs> I think as well, like using, being able to use, we've got a, a good creative support coordinator with our NDIS. Um, and even though um, it's funny, we're able to see our support worker in person, but any clinicians or people that are have a higher qualification uh, won't come to the home. Um, both from the public mental health system and the disability system. And I think that, um, but our support coordinator, you know, offline has been able to use our funding creatively. Um, so Harmony, you know, can access seeing, you know, a family therapist or a relationship counsellor through some of those funds, which have been kind of essential mm. um, and, and vice versa for me. You know, I've been able to use my funds a bit more creatively to attend to some of the needs because we know that in general the NDIS doesn't really, is not a very accessible uh, service system for people with psychosocial disability. Um, yeah. So it's really been essential that um, that our services, our service providers have been able to use that funding a bit more creatively and, and kind of advocate in spaces where really they're not supposed to be advocating. So that's been, a, I've noticed that that's been a change during the COVID situation because of the crisis is a bit more scope for creativity in using funding and services. And, and do you think that, that that has been led from sort of like the support coordinator level or have you been advocating as well yourself to sort of gain that flexibility? Oh, I think it's a bit of both. I think it's a bit of both. Um, obviously being, a, yeah, I'm you know, a professional in the field as well. Um, yeah. 
And so I think that, yeah, I think that absolutely, uh, you know, I'll put the heat on the support coordinator to think about some decisions and, and exercise the, the, the package appropriately. Yeah, and harm, harmony, vice versa. You know, you'll you'll let our support coordinator know and our support worker know, won't you? You know, if you've yeah, got... Yeah, of course. If They're very attentive to the needs, but yeah. sometimes not so good. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say, we've just had issues with, uh, yeah, accessibility with our support coordinator, um, and and a, a more broader issue is just the lack of regulation of all these private disability enterprises with no real accountability. So I think our support coordinators has been inundated with work, and it's meant that his quality and and time for his participants has been very poor, um, which has impacted on our well being. But but I think that's issue as well. So, so the flexibility that you've been able to see then through, uh, you know, the way that the NDIS funds are being used for you, do you think that that will stick in the sense of people, of you being able to maintain some of that flexibility? I know it's a sort of, I don't know the answer, but, you know, would you hope that the flexibility sticks in the future? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the service system is supposed to be attentive to our, our needs and wishes. Um, and, you know, say, for instance, I, I still see my psychologist using recovery coach funding. So it might just mean that, I, you know, she's paid a few more hours for her work, um, but she still acts in a recovery coach function. And that, that's trauma-informed for me because I don't want to be seeing another person uh, and, and having to share another story yeah. through someone else. Uh, and that's an ongoing issue for most of us in mental health. Yeah. I, th- I think that some of the changes that have been made as a result of COVID will stay in place just because we've been able to use funding in, in creative and sustainable ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So how many, what are you sort of hoping for in terms of the way that the system's going to respond to you as a mother? Uh, I'm, I'm stressing. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the only good news is that my partner will be able to stay there through the whole pregnancy. But aside from that, um, no visitors, nothing. I'll be there for 10 days. Mm. You know, it's very mm. all up. Yeah. Mm. By, by that she means, Francis, that she has a planned admission to a mother-baby unit um, mm. post her um, pregnancy. Um, yeah. So, that, yeah, so that those supports are being put in place. Um, but because of COVID, there's all these restrictions where no one's allowed to come, you know. It's yeah, every, yeah. everything's changed, everything. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. So normal, normally people would come in, I, I suppose, Yeah, yeah. And with headspace, she'd had a, a you know perinatal psychiatrist involved as well. Um, quit last minute. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another issue as well, isn't it? So unfortunately, that perinatal psychiatrist had, um, I think, left for whatever reason. So Harms has been having to deal with someone new quite late in her pregnancy. Yeah, which is always stressful. <laughs> it's always. Yeah having to see a new worker and tell them all your life and then two weeks later they leave and then you get a new one and then another two weeks later the same thing happens and it's very stressful it's it's good to have just a solid worker that knows your story knows who you are knows when you're down when you're happy when you, you know mm. so yeah and I, I do have that headspace I have, I have a really good worker there she's mm. yeah Mm. Yeah. Are you, are you at a point? I know everybody's different. You know, we're all going through this COVID experience together, but everybody's having their own experience. But 
have you been thinking about what it might look for you over the next year or so? I mean, you know, we're, we're still some time away from getting a vaccine and things will not return to normal for quite a while. But are you thinking about what the future looks like? I'm just going to be a stay-at-home mama. <laughs> um, I ho- hopefully, everything does change quite quickly, but I think I think things will get better. I think, in terms of the the service system, I think telehealth will become a much more common part of um, providing services. Um, obviously, as we've talked about today, you know, nothing beats relationship and presence and and physical safety. Mm-hmm. And emotional safety in person with your workers in terms of building that therapeutic relationship. Um, mm. But I, I, yeah, I think telehealth will be a, a thing of the future, and and hopefully being able to be a bit more flexible and creative with service systems, like in different ways of providing services. Um, COVID has shown that we can have mass change and and do it quickly, um, yeah. which been a real um, yeah issue of the mental health and disability system of the past or particularly the mental health system so hopefully that will mean uh, yeah that our service models look look different more uh, trust. yeah more trust I think that obviously mental health issues will rise there'll be a lot more stress um, it harms the talking before about um, just like the anger and frustration in the home um, and that will obviously have an impact on attachment for, you know, children. So I think we will see a whole a whole new generation wave of, of mental health issues potentially as a result of this experience of stress for people. There's a lot more younger kids getting suicidal and stuff and not, not being able to go to school and stuff, so that's, that's really bad. Mm. Mm. I think you're absolutely right and, and there's going to be a lot of uh, people who either, you know, are experiencing for the first time maybe, you know, emotional distress or mental just health issues and, and but for a lot of other people it's just going to exacerbate what was already there. I completely agree. I mean, Francis, if I can speak very briefly to some of the experiences I've had, um, like I'd had a relationship breakdown um, due to my partner being, you know, quarantined um, back to Brisbane. Um, and then I wasn't speaking to my father and that was exacerbated by not, you know, being able to see each other in person. Um, mm. I had a job loss due to my mental health. I'd been let go due to my mental health at a government department because they didn't know how to really support me in that environment. And uh, I had a bad reaction to antidepressants one day and didn't attend to a call. So these are all, you know, very real COVID examples um, of, how it's impacted our lived experience and, and and unfortunately how, you know, there's still a lot of prejudice, stigma and discrimination that's been exacerbated in this environment and, and that there's a big difference, I think, between kind of low prevalence issues in mental health and, and, and kind of the more high prevalence. So I think everyone understands anxiety and depression to some extent and, and to be honest, that's a pretty normal adaptation to social isolation and disconnection. Yeah. But for, for people like Harmony and I, you know, we both live with bipolar. Harmony lives with some personality stuff as well. Um, and our brother lives with schizophrenia and he's been in hospital, um, you know, due to drug issues, forensic issues, you know. So COVID's exacerbated all of that, absolutely. Um, and I think that we still don't really understand the differences, I think, between the spectrum of distress, which has been impacted by COVID. 
Oh, look, well said. And and I think that, you know, there are, I mean, it's interesting for me because I'm on the side of the service delivery side in terms of my work. And, you know, certainly what I see in the people who are in our teams is, is that they, many of them are, you know, really up and down and struggling at times and, and better at other times. Um, but it has also, uh, for some people who had, um, you know, existing, you know, mental health issues, it, it really has, has been difficult for a lot of them. Even though COVID itself might be um, addressed, you know, as a health issue, as a, as a physical health issue, um, yeah, the mental health uh, implications or the, the sort of flow on the, the impacts are going to, to be with us for quite a while. Mm, absolutely. And it's a social justice, you know, COVID's a social justice issue as well. And we've seen that, you know, different intersections of, of gender and race and class have been impacted very differently, you know, particularly, um, yeah, you know, living in public housing, um, yeah, which again, Harms has had that, that experience of. It's been a vastly different experience, you know, being cooped up in um, these large scale residential properties with a lot of other people surrounding you in comparison to having your own apartment, you know, on your own. So, I, yeah, I think absolutely. And, and I think on uh, back to what you were saying about workplaces, I'm not sure workplaces have really known how to best support their employees as everyone's been working remotely. You know, it's hard to provide that support mm. and, and, be, and have visibility over what's going on in the home, you know, or what's going on in the person's life when you're not seeing them in person. No, that's right. And, and in the same way as it is in, in lots of other sort of um, visual, you know, social media or whatever, I mean, you, somebody can present a good face, mm. um, but not actually be very well, <laughs> you know, so, so we, we really are trying to work that out on an ongoing basis is, you know, how do we actually make uh, sure that people are travelling okay and supported and and if they're not what do we do how do we support them and and do that and and Matt your experience is that workplaces don't always get it right um you're absolutely uh, right and um look um I'm getting to the to the end and and I'm just wondering is there anything um before before we finish up that you would want to say just about your experience of how the service system, we might have covered everything, but, you know, is there anything else, any other experiences that, that would be useful for, uh, you know, people who aren't using the mental health system to sort of understand at this time? Look, I think, I think on the whole, the, the systems have uh, attended and catered well to the, the changing needs and landscape of social restrictions and the increasing need. Like, I think government has responded well in terms of increasing funding and implementing some of the Royal Commission recommendations quickly and swiftly. So I think that's been really positive. But I think... I think for, for the mental health system is really every other system, you know, and I think that if we just pull our resource into the service provision of just mental health services, which are predominantly based on biomedical models, we're not really addressing the social and structural determinants, which actually create a lot of the stress and distress for us, such as housing, the justice mm -hmm. system, you know, food, you know, a lot of food insecurity, um, so I think that I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm really hoping in moving forward that we see mental health as a broader intersectorial issue 
rather than just this sort of clinical medical um, understanding um, because I think that, yeah, COVID has brought about a lot of those other issues of, in terms of access. So, um, yeah, that for me is something that I wanted to spell out but um, but also that it, it, it has responded, you know, relatively well in spite of the circumstances. So I know Harms if you That, that to... was the point I was trying to make before, like when I said we're all doing it together, you know, like people that wouldn't normally experience depression or having all their freedom and everything now, it's all been taken away. So we're all experiencing it together. Mm. So now it's like we're all in the same boat and it feels like we're all one again. Mm. That's what, yeah. Mm. In some ways. <laughs> but in other ways, we're not all the same as well because we all have different um, opportunities and access and, and Horses. Um, but I think Harms is right in that it's um, it has brought a, a newfound literacy to mental health. I think we we all have a flavour for what you know anxiety or fear can look like. We all have a flavour for what low mood or depression Absolutely. can look like. And mm -hmm. I, um, but but yeah, again, you know, mental health as we know is a, a very vast spectrum. Um, that's not just anxiety and depression. So um, I think in some ways it's also othered experiences that don't with, fit within anxiety and depression and anything outside of that is still very much feared and stigmatised and, and not understood. So, yeah, for better and for worse, I guess, is my answer. Yeah. Well, thank you for for your time, both Matt and Harmony, today. Um, look, I, I really appreciate your observations and, and telling me your experiences of how things have been going over the last few months. Um, as you said there, Matt, at the end, you know, there, there are, you know, such a, a variety of experiences. Some of it's gone well, some of it hasn't gone well. The system has been adapting and learning, making mistakes, but but also trying to um, work out how best to support you as as people who who deserve support and uh, require support. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for that, and and uh, good luck with the rest of our uh, common experience of COVID over the next few months. <laughs> Thanks, Francis. Thank you, Francis. Take care. Take care. You too.